Hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast, your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. Today, we sit down with Dave Probst. Dave is a true living example of a rags-to-riches story. He went from sleeping outside in a single-person tent, eating pasta every night just to get by, to starting his own business and now having close to 100 employees working under him. This episode was recorded in Avon, Colorado, in the Wildflower Farms, a plant nursery, in one of Dave's businesses. Enjoy today's podcast. You're originally from a small town in Kansas. Kansas. What's the town called? Nickerson. Okay, yeah. Nickerson. Yeah. What's the population size? Uh, I Don't quote me on this, but I believe it's uh, about 800 when I was a kid. Small. Yeah, small. Yeah, and you were telling me that as a kid, like it was you, you had no idea that college was even a thing. Yeah, I had no idea college was even an option for somebody like me. Like, just wasn't even something that was brought up ever in my household or my friend's household. You know, it was just, I had no clue that I could even go to college. So it's well, kind of wild. Well, before we really get there, uh, can we start with Vail? Like, how yeah. did you how did you get to Vail? <laughs> so it's from college. I ended up in Vail. So uh, one of my uh, friends in one of my horticulture classes, um, dendrology class actually, um, which is the study of trees, um, dendrology one class. I can't remember the guy's name, but his great uncle was Bob Dole, who was a U.S. Kansas senator. Uh, one time, ran for president of the United States told me about Vail, Colorado. And I was like, dude, that place sounds awesome. <laughs> so uh, I put in for doing a, a practicum, which is like an internship. And I, I did it for White River National Forest and got accepted and came out here and, and lived here for this one summer. And I was like hooked after that. So, wow. Yeah. And then you went into the forestry service. Yep. How long How long were you doing that? Uh, I, Man, we're racking my brain on this one. It's about three years is okay. what it was, yeah. And then the reason that you left was because you were like, everyone in here is staying for their life. Yeah, everybody that had a job had just gotten it or was recently appointed to a full-time position. So I didn't see any job openings coming up for quite some time for like 15 years down the road. And if you didn't have a permanent position, you were just a... Uh, God, what do they call them? 13, 13s or something like that. So you're just a temporary employee, no benefits. And I, and I, I, was, I needed something more. So I got out of the forest service only because of that. Otherwise I would have stuck with it. Well, why were you in it initially? Like what was it about the forestry service that you liked? So I really liked the whole aspect of just like, it was really good, like a family close knit, everybody helped each other out, you know, it was just, I really liked that about it. I liked being outside, working outside, um, just being outside and getting paid to like hike. I mean, like I say, I wasn't making a lot of money, but that first summer, you know, I hiked every single trail in Eagle County and I got paid to do it. I was just like, oh, shit, yeah, what's wrong with this? Yeah. But you were living in a tent and mentor, yeah. right? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, so they put me in employee housing uh, down at the Boneyard. It was called the Boneyard down on the other side of Mentor. And they used to have a bunch of uh, old wrecked cars that they would pull off the Forest Service roads and put over in the Boneyard. And across from that on Highway 24 was the housing. And I, I remember the first night 
I went into the housing, it was just a trailer. And I turned on the water from the tap from the sink and brown water was coming out. I was like, what the hell is this? And they're like, oh yeah, it's spring runoff. This is just the way the water is. And I was like, <laughs> I was like well, I'm not drinking this. And uh, then that night I went to bed and I woke up maybe 45 minutes, an hour later. And just the sound of tons of tiny little feet running around. And I knew right away it was mice. And I flipped on a light and I, I kid you not, I had at least three mice on my bed. That first night. That first night, yeah. And there was probably Damn. 20 on the fucking floor. Yeah. Shit. It, so that's when I was like, I'm out. <laughs> it was like, I would rather stay outside than, than deal with this. So, would, so like when you say a tent, do you mean like a, what, what kind of tent? Like oh, a, just like, um, uh, so it was a, God, what was it? A North Face single person with a vestibule. A single person, uh -huh. like a small, those tiny. Four season. It was a four season, but it was tiny. Yeah. And, yeah. and what did you do for cooking? Like, well, I had like a little stove. Just like a little gas burning stove that you would carry backpacking. So, so you would work all day and then come home yeah. to, to the tent. What would you do to shower and? Oh, uh, the rec center. Yeah. Or I had some friends who were, you know, obviously with working at the forest service. To be living in a tent, you don't have a lot of space for possessions. Correct. Did you have a? Did you have a no, lot? Oh, I didn't have shit with me. No, no. And and how long were you in the tent? Uh, just for the whole summer. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're young in your 20s. It's the way to go. <laughs> it's the way to do it. And then after that, you know, winter's coming along. And uh, I, I ended up getting a, a job indoor at Ceramica, making a little extra money doing that. And What's Ceramica? Uh, okay, Ceramica is an old store that used to be in the Vell Village, and they would sell uh, handmade, hand-painted pottery from Italy. It comes from De Ruta, Italy, if I'm pronouncing that correct anymore, uh, in the Umbria region of Italy. And uh, I, I ended up having like access to uh, the alarm and the key and everything like that to the front door, and I would actually like go there after hours let myself in and sleep behind the cash register. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That was the winter. That was the winter. Yeah. Okay. So you went from the tent to like kind of living in this store. Yeah. And then what did you do the next summer? So that summer I wasn't around too much. Cause like when you do firefighting, it's like, I think it's 21 days on or 28 days on. I think it's 21. Then you got like two or three days off and then you're back out on another fire. So, and like when you're out there fighting mm -hmm. a fire, they put you up somewhere. Well, again, you're in a tent generally, <laughs> so nothing unusual for me, but yeah, so um, depending on the fire and how big it was, some of them, uh, only one of the fires I ever got to fight on was like catered, had hot showers, the rest of them, uh, it's MREs, and you just sleep in a tent and get up the next day and go back out. Well, yeah. So for a long time, unconventional housing, like not, not luxurious by no. any means. No, not at all. Very Spartan kind yeah. of situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. And yeah. so eventually you trans, you, you like said enough of this enough. Yeah. And can you kind of talk about that experience of just like finally transitioning into it, like something else and, and changing? Yeah. So I ended up, looking for something else to get out of that. Like I, what we said earlier, there was no jobs really out and about. 
within the Forest Service for quite some time coming up. So um, I have a degree in horticulture, grew up in Kansas working on farms. So I was like looking at getting back into that. So I looked at working in landscaping again. And I worked my first summer for another landscape company here in the Valley. And then shortly after that, like by that fall, I had come up with uh, the decision to just start my own company. Um, how, did you, how did you come up with that decision? Well, a lot of it happened because um, at the time I was working for a great guy who's still around, Mike Stevens, and he was down here in Edwards um, where the schools are all at now. And he had his yard there and I was running the nursery for him. And a lot of people were coming in and just being like asking me all these questions. And it turns out it's the owners of other companies. And I'm just sitting here like, how do you own a company and not know the answer to this? So I was like, shit. I was like, that's really what it was. And I was just like, kind of blown away at how many people were just doing something without the knowledge and trying to, you know, figure it out as they go. Mm. And so I was like, well, shit, I have the knowledge. I'm young. I might as well just do it and give it a shot. Damn. So, yeah. How old were you at the time? God, if I'm 22. Wow. Yeah. So you're like, all right, I'm 22. Yeah. I've got the knowledge that it seems like other business owners don't even have. Right. So I might as well give this a shot. So at that point, how did you even get, like, did you need a lot of money to start this? <laughs> well, typically, but I was too stupid to know you did. So, so uh, I had literally about a hundred bucks to my name and I went out and just hustled and got a couple jobs and I made each job pay for the materials that I needed. Like even if it was like a shovel, Pulaski, anything, wheelbarrow, all of that, I just made each job buy me the tools. And because I started with nothing on the business, using all the profits to buy the tools, I had no money left over for the first few years. Damn, so, where were you living at that time? At that time, I was living uh, with a bunch of friends of mine up in Wildridge. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so you have these gigs. You're, yep. you're basically acquiring equipment from yep. charging. Yep. And you were learning like how to handle a business. How, how did you even know how to like, you know, start, start an LLC or or like do any of the more technical sides? Right. Um, just trial and error. Just asking questions, asking people. I actually had one really good friend of mine from Ceramica. Her dad uh, ran several businesses. And um, unfortunately, the guy w was dying of cancer. And he kind of, I can give him more credit than, you know, anybody else. Because he really even though he was like sick and physically and visually, you could tell he was like ill, he would take time out to answer any questions I had, which was pretty, you know, it's pretty amazing that he would even do that. So, um, wow. yeah. So while he was capable and able to like still be able to like verbally talk and communicate, you know, he was like, just ask whatever you want. And so I just asked him. <laughs> And the guy helped me out tremendously. So, do you remember how much you made that first year? Oh God, uh, the very first year it was only like a a month of work left because it started in the fall, and I'd have to say it was like maybe 
$10,000 worth of work. In, in a month? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, in, is that profit or 10000 Like No, that's, <laughs> that's just total sales, man. I mean, nothing. I mean, nothing. Yeah. No, for the first uh, two years of work, I just basically lived off of pasta, like just spaghetti mostly too. It was just pasta with olive oil and salt or once in a while if I had a good month pasta with red sauce. <laughs> like oatmeal. It was God, man, those days sucked. <laughs> like what was your work ethic like? Like how how much were you working every day? Yeah. So um just whatever needed to be done, you know. So like sixteen hour days, n- no problem. I mean that was like pretty much the the usual. So get up around four thirty, finish working around like nine. So it was just like nonstop. So, man, did you ever like those first two years? You know, you're not really making any money. Like, yeah. Did you ever feel like giving up? And oh just- no, no, because like where I came from was nothing. So I had nowhere. <laughs> I had no. I have my. I I didn't come from money. I didn't have a background with any parents who had a higher education. You know, they both didn't even finish grade school. You know, so it was just like, I had no desire to go back to where I came from, period. So. Damn. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what the place is like where you came from? Uh, It's pretty backwards. Like where I came from, um, very racist, very backwards, very just, when you think of like middle America, just like. Even to this day, like you see it on TV, it, it's it's like no joke. That's how it was when I was a kid. Nothing's changed, you know. Very, they put on a facade that they're not racist, but man, they are racist people. Yeah. Wow. So, and just uneducated. You know, it's actually quite sad, and I feel bad for the, a lot of the people I grew up with that are still there because it's just a lack of education a lack of knowledge of what's really out there. And that's usually what causes a lot of people to be so hate, hateful and so racist, honestly. So just, just ignorance, ignorance. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So it wasn't, you didn't really have anything that you wanted to go back to. No, I mean, I knew from, since I was a kid, I was like, my goal, my mom even told me, she was just like, yeah, since you were like seven, You've always said you were you can't wait to get out of here. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> so what what happened after the f- first two years? Like what what started to change? Uh, so actually starting to be able to save a little bit of money. So I had all the tools I finally needed, and I was able to actually start making a little bit more money than I was spending, um, since I wasn't having to buy new stuff all the time, and and then I could start acquiring some wealth that way. Wow. Yeah. And what kind of jobs primarily? Was it all landscaping? All landscaping. And by landscaping, is that like mowing, trimming like the grass? Like what you know what's funny? No. Uh, I started with construction because that's the one thing I noticed. Like, so when you grow up in Kansas or in, I think anywhere farming, uh, there's nobody to come fix something for you. You are going to figure it out and you have to figure it out because there's nobody that's going to come behind you and fix it for you. And so if there was an issue with like the pumps for the irrigation system or the truck broke down or the tractor broke down 
anything happens, you're, you, you and your family are fixing it. That's just the way it is. Uh, there isn't anybody to call. <laughs> it wow. doesn't work like that. So when I started landscaping, it was all construction, um, but obviously small jobs. Okay. No maintenance whatsoever. But you had already developed the skills to be able to fix things from right. growing up because no one else would do it. Right. Well, that, and also when I was in university, I worked for an amazing company called Blueville Nursery. And um, they're in Manhattan, Kansas. And I learned a lot of the construction from those guys, like mm. retaining walls, um, how to install residential irrigation systems, things like that. That company really is like what I model some of like what I do off of them because like they grew their own trees, they grow their own sod, uh, their own shrubs. They, you know, it, it, the company is amazing. Wow, look at that. We're, we're, in, the, we're in the office right now, so business never stops. Right? So if you need to answer that, you can. No, no, okay. no, sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll let it ring out and then yeah. we'll get going back. Let me, yeah. um, it'll actually, yeah, whatever you need to it'll do, get man. really loud. Okay, dude, dude. it's going to get louder? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but so you, you were basically modeling your company off this company right. that you had exposure to Correct. when you were in university. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so- after two years, you're starting to actually like acquire some wealth. Uh -huh. And what do you, what are your next steps? Like, cause yeah. You yeah. So, so I just keep like uh, doing one job after another. And then after a while, you just have like a good clientele base. Like uh, a lot of my jobs that I was awarded, I had several people, several customers tell me I just showed up on time. Like as soon as I, I said, I have a meeting at five or three, you know, I'm, I'm there. They just said like, most people don't do that. Like they don't even call. Like if you have an appointment, like we did at five, I was a few minutes late and I apologize. Generally, like if it's a customer though, that I'm going to, you know, try to get money from, I will call five, 10 minutes ahead of time and say, Hey, I'm going to be running five minutes late. Even if I'm five minutes late, I will let them know. And it's just a courtesy. And that's something a lot of people up here, and I think actually all over maybe nowadays don't do. They don't have common courtesy or decency to let somebody else know that you're going to be late. You make an appointment and they just blow it off like it's no big deal. But no, these people have stuff to do. And so just by me showing up on time when we had an appointment, I didn't even have to give people estimates sometimes. I would just get the job. And they were just so surprised like somebody would show up on time when they said they were going to. Wow. In this valley, yeah. So, so that's being timely, but also having integrity, like Correct. being very strict about that. Correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah, honesty and integrity. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's actually the motto of the company, yeah. Because that was a big thing that when we were sitting down, you were saying, just treat people well. Mm -hmm. You know, can you tell the story of, I don't know how long later, how much later that comes in the, in the timeline, but you were talking about this guy who's, lawn you were letting him use for to like store things. Oh yeah. But that, maybe is that later on? Like I want to That's a I'll, lot I'll, later okay, on. Right, let's yeah. take our time. I yeah, want to yeah. take our time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you have all these contracts. People are continuing to work uh -huh. with you because they like your yep. they like your work ethic. They yep. like that you're on time. Yep. And yep. And then I, I so I do what I say. So a lot of my contracts and then everything I just tell people I'm like, okay, I'm old school. I look like you and I, let's say you're a customer of mine and we're doing a job and it's going to be like, you know, X amount of dollars. 
we just look at each other and I'm like, I am going to tell you right now that I am going to fulfill the agreement. I'm going to do everything that's on the contract. And all I ask in return is that you just pay the bill, you know? And it's just kind of like the old school where you shake hands, you know? I don't have uh, an elaborate contract. Like I read some of these contracts people give out and it's just like, man, like you must have been screwed over so many times to have like 50 pages of like a contract just to do something. Interesting. Yeah. But you've had success with mm-hmm. just verbal agreements yeah. and trust. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy because there's yeah. so much fear around that. Yeah. I feel like in, yeah. the, in business in general, it's like you need strong contracts. Yeah. 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 But I mean, then, you know, your name gets, starts to go out and people talk like, hey, oh, who's doing your landscaping or who's doing this job for you? Did they do a good job? And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know what they said, but obviously some people must really like what we do because we get all, all of our work comes from just word of mouth. So, wow. Yeah. So you started building your reputation. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Man. And then what was, so it's just you at this time, right? Like you're the only employee right. getting all these jobs. At what point did the business grow beyond just you? I'd have to say it was probably starting to get like, pretty good size around uh, 11, 12 years ago, something like that, right before I had my first kid. Wow. Yeah. So things started like really clicking and starting getting busier and busier and started looking for hiring like foremans to start overseeing divisions. When you say divisions, divisions of? Of of the landscaping business. So like flower crew. Uh, mo crew construction things of that nature. So. And at what point did you graduate from eating like pasta and, and red sauce? Uh, <laughs> so it took quite a few years actually. I mean, we still. So at, at the time, you know, my ex-wife and I, we ended up buying our first house up on uh, Seven Thirty One Road, and uh, it was all off grid, which helped a lot because we were able to save a ton of money, not having to, any utilities. You know, it's just self-sufficient home. And uh, to save extra money, ironically enough, she would like take a ton of tomatoes and make tomato sauce, can it for the entire winter. <laughs> and uh, I-, I can't make this up. She would open the jar and give me one spoonful of tomato sauce for my pasta. <laughs> it was like, that's all you get. I swear to no God. Way. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> So you were just you, you had more pasta than, <laughs> than anybody probably has in their entire life. Yes, okay. except for an Italian, maybe so, in Sicily. Or so something. was it? It wasn't. You didn't graduate from when you moved to this house. It came after that, I guess. What's that? I'm sorry. Gr- graduating from eating pasta was after. Yeah, like I'd say midway through. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, we started making enough money where I I remember looking at her and being like, "Dude, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. Like, we gotta." change things up. I've been eating enough like pasta and like red sauce for, for the, a lifetime. Wow. So, yeah. Did you feel like once you started having a crew of people to help you with your jobs mm-hmm. that you could slow down a little bit? That was the plan. But funny enough, the opposite ends up happening. So when you start getting, or for me anyhow, and I think a lot of business, small business owners have this sense of, uh, responsibility. So like you start getting really good employees to start overseeing your divisions 
And then you feel this sense of responsibility, just like you would for your own kid, where you have to now provide for them. And then you're providing for them and their family, like if they have kids. And to do that, you got to keep growing and growing because it, just, it costs a lot to live in this valley, as everybody knows. And you don't want to pay them, you know, next to nothing, you know, because at the end of the day, if, if you're going home with a shit ton of money, but everybody's on food stamps, I mean, let's face it, you're just a POS, you know? Right. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. But at what point did you acquire the, your first other business? Okay, so, yeah, so what happened was Lou Meskman passed away and he owned Thank You Mass Man Services, which was a, they did some landscaping, but a lot of Christmas uh, lighting and stuff like that. And we did that on our, our own with pristine landscapes. And for years, uh, Lou would always store his Christmas trees on our lot in Minturn. And uh, one of my main construction foremen would call me all the time complaining, God damn it, Lou's got his trees over on our property again. And I was just like, relax, like who cares? You know, I was like, he's been doing it before we even were born. You know, like he's one of the original people that moved here to the Valley in the sixties. And uh, I was just like, who cares? It's temporary. It's not permanent, you know, just let him, let him use it. And I didn't, I never charged Lou anything. I never asked him for a penny. He would even charge or um, store like a couple of his trailers. Uh, he had two man lifts. Um, again, I never charged him for anything. I was just like, whatever, you know, you're old and you deserve respect. And I hope that when I get older, somebody would pay it back to me, you know? And then when he passed away, um, suddenly, you know, it was from surgery, actually. He was going in, I believe, to get his pacemaker redone, and he died on the operating table. Um, he didn't have any wife, no kids. So his nephew from California came up, and, you know, since our yard was there and he had stuff over there, he just called me up because my number's on the truck. We had a meeting, and he's like, look, I don't want anything to do with this. Do you want it? And I was like, well, sure. How much you want for it? He's like, I don't, I don't want anything. You just take it. Like buy me. All, all I had to do is buy the uh, man lifts. That was it. So what was the business? Christmas, mainly Christmas, Christmas trees, uh, artificial and real. And also the lands, uh, the Christmas lighting on the trees outside. And so basically when he was like, take this business, take the clientele. Yeah. Take the inventory? T take the inventory, yep, yep. All I had to pay was, I think at the time, uh, if I remember right, I think it was just $10,000 for the man lift. So, wow. Yeah. And then did that business, how, did that business greatly change kind of your? Yeah, it did. So um, simultaneously, uh, this store, the Wildfire Farm came up at the exact same time as that happened. Um, Marty Jones was selling the store and I had a meeting with the foremans and my employees and I was like, what do you guys think? Go big or go home or what do we do? And it was, everybody was like, well, let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, now here we are, we got the store. Uh, thank you, Mass Man Services. And 
I was just like, shit, why not? <laughs> Let's go for it. So this story, this we're in a gardening store. Yeah, the garden center. Yeah. The garden. Yeah, this is the garden center. Yeah. I mean, it's the only garden center up valley aside from Home Depot. So it's been here forever. It's an icon to the valley. And it's it's one of those things like, you know, it would suck to lose this. It really would. And then all that would be left is Home Depot. So yeah. It's the only small business gardening center in yeah. the valley. Yeah. Well, there's up valley. There's one down in Gypsum. Um Gypsum Garden Center actually. So yeah. But when you saw this come onto the market, you talked to your team? I did. I talked to the employees because I can't do this without them. And so we're like a family, you know. It's like I talk to them about most major decisions because if they don't feel comfortable taking on the work, then we're going to fail. You know, that's what it's going to come down to. So if they don't feel like they have the energy to put towards it, then we can't do it. So they have just as much input as I do. Well, yeah. What did you say the two values of your company are? Um, the motto, you mean? Motto. Honesty and integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, in like, you like to carry that through every aspect of your life, not just business. We, well, yeah, I do personally. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. Like, I, th I think I told you. Like, you know, I always find very interesting, just small little things. Like, I'm always blown away at how many people don't open doors for women or even other, you know, men. Who cares? You know, and it's just kind of become this like me first kind of mentality. And um, I, I don't know how or why it shifted, but it has. And you can go out tonight and just look and watch how many people open a door for someone. And it's, I'd say maybe one out of every 10. It's pretty amazing just to sit back and watch how people react to, and treat other people, so. Just being selfish and focused on. Yeah, getting the right, like I told you, the right, that's why it was kind of funny, the right selfie. <laughs> you know, the right photo, like, is this the one that's going to make me rich today? You know, and it's, who knows what goes through people's minds, <laughs> you know? I don't understand that whole social media platform. I don't, I have no social media, never have. And I told you, I just got internet <laughs> for the first time. It would be about three weeks ago now, and I'm 44. <laughs> at home, I got to say, at home. I mean, obviously, I have it here at work. Um, but I only did that because my kids were, like, demanding it. So No TV? No TV. No. Nope. Got to read books. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you don't feel like you're missing anything with not having? <laughs> no, not at all. I could care less. It doesn't affect me. Like, what happens out there doesn't affect me, you know? And I think... That is probably part of the reason why people are so selfish is because they're always worried about what everybody else is doing and what, they're, what they see on TV or they see on social media and they want to be like that. Just be yourself, you know? That's my take on it. And that's what all my employees, we're all very low tech, you know? And I get it, we're one of the dinosaurs, you know, we're on our way out, but so be it, you know? What do you mean? Uh, I think in the next... 15 years, you unless you're very computer savvy, you're going to be left in the dust, even in landscaping. Yeah. 
How, how can it impact the landscaping business? Well, a lot of things are going automatic, you know, like GPS mowers even, you know, they have GPS mowers. It's only a matter of time. Um, they're working on uh, self-driven devices that can weed out beds as well. So like I said, like I say, it's just a matter of time before any job that can be automated is going to be automated. So does that, how does that make you feel? Uh, I'm, from the standpoint of like, I, I'd be forced to like retire, not so bad, but on the standpoint of like, it's, uh, what's everybody going to do? Like not just my employees, but in general in the world, like is everybody going to be like a computer engineer or I, I don't know. I don't know what that future looks like, you know? Well, yeah. But before we, before even thinking about tech, like you're focused on being a good human and by being a good human, that means being honest, having integrity, yeah. being your, being your true self, not trying to front and be something that you're not. Right. Exactly. Like for example, just one of my vendors for irrigation, I don't know if I shared this with you, but you know, they had, every time we get irrigation parts or any parts, you got to go through the invoice and check it out. And, you know, with the spring order, it's thousands of or pieces. So it takes time. And we get back to them about a week later and they shorted us on a few things and over shipped us on certain other things. And when it was all said and done, like they over shipped us almost $800 worth of parts. Um, and that's including what they shorted us on. So they over shipped us like well over a thousand dollars. And I called them up and told them, and I was like, I'll have it ready for you to come pick up. Just bring the stuff that you guys missed us on. And he was just like blown away. The sales rep was because people don't do that. He was just like, my God. And I, and I told him, I was like, I know how it works. A business is a business. At the end of the day, that's going to come out of somebody's ass over at that store. It could be my sales rep or it could be somebody that's pulling the supply because it's going to be lost on their, their inventory. And I was like, I don't want that. I was like, you know, I didn't, I'm not paying for it. So I don't need it. Like other companies and other people would probably take that and sell it. And then it's a hundred percent profit, but that's not right. You know, it's just little things like that. Um, you know, we always are, we tell all of the employees, we go above and beyond 110%. 100% not good enough. It's like, when you're on property and you're on site, do it like it's your own home. Like you take care of their house, like it's your house. And that's why when things go wrong, it really affects all of us. Like we, not just me, but my employees, like it really bothers all of us. Like we really take pride in what we do. So. Damn. Yeah. Are, are, like you had this mentor when you were in college or not, or like not when you were in college, right when you were starting your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any mentors now? Like, are, are these, like, where did these values that you have come from? Oh God. Although I curse a lot, my family was very religious. So we were at church all the time. I'd have to say that's probably where the core values came from. Um, our God, our holidays, like most people would go off somewhere and have something fun for a holiday. Uh, we would go to Bible camps in the summer. And, ah, oh, Jesus. You like if you've ever been to a fucking Bible camp, God damn. Obviously, 
I curse a lot and I hate it, but it, the values you got from it are pretty good overall. <laughs> uh, so the morality and the yeah, ethics that, yeah. that really stuck with you. Yeah, that part stuck with me. The other stuff, yeah. not so much. <laughs> but that's really cool, man. I mean, it's yeah. cool to to carry yourself with print and be principled. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. Like we don't see that enough these days. Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like it's just something that's lacking, you know, but. So how many employees total do you have? Um, when we're up and running full strength this year, we're going to be between 80 to 90. We were thinking we were going to be at a hundred earlier, but we kind of are trying to scale it back for more profitability. So, yeah. So you went from living in a tent yeah. in the forestry service to now having rat infested housing, tents, all that. Yeah. Sleeping, uh, behind a, you know, uh, retail store bubble wrap. That was my uh, bed. Roll out the bubble wrap, bubble wrap for a pillow, <laughs> couch surfing. Oh my God. Yeah. Everything. But I, and the only reason I did that is I just didn't have the money to put down and have a place to like live. And that was, we're going back to when like uh, rents were like 250 bucks, 180 you could even get. I didn't have the first last deposit. Um, and first, last, and deposit was just too much for me. And, um, you know, I, there's a lot of dumb luck that came with me too. A lot of dumb luck. Like, I just got fucking lucky. So when I went to university, obviously I had to take out debt, student loans. All four years at university only cost me like $10,200, which, you know, now I listen to how much people are spending per semester. It's insane. Um, so that relatively cheap compared to nowadays. Um, but I had this debt and while, you know, I had to work full-time working no less than 35 hours a week while putting myself through school and I couldn't afford like the books or sometimes I couldn't afford like food and things like that. So I got a credit card and then I had to get another credit card. So I had two credit cards worth of debt and uh, I'll, I'll admit it. Like I had to drive around like my truck without car insurance and everything. I just couldn't afford living. Like that's how poor I was. And luckily I had a car cause there's a level of poverty even below what I was experiencing, you know? And when my girlfriend and I at the time wanted to try to buy something, I was like, well, shit, neither of us had money. We were like, what do we got to do? And so we went and talked to somebody. He was like, you got to clean up your credit scores, this, that, and the other thing, because I, I had defaulted on my credit cards. So I called up all the companies I had defaulted on, right? And <laughs> grace of God on this one, it was during the time when banks were bundling all their debt up and reselling it and bundling and reselling. And that was you know, what caused the crash in 07, 08. Um, they basically, when I called them, nobody could find my debt. And since nobody could find it or own it, it didn't exist. So I was able to get a letter from the company that said that I owed this money saying I didn't know it. And then my credit score instantly shot up because um, with that letter, you submit it to the three credit agencies and then it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So like my debt and my bad debt, just gone. 
I told you, dumb luck, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't have, I've never heard that happening for anybody. So just like poof, just poof, just gone. Yeah. Like here, you've been working hard. Here's a, here's a bonus for you or something, that's, you know? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Just lost. Just lost. They lost it. That's yeah. un un unreal. Not once, not one company, not two companies, but it was Man. like four companies that happened with. So what are, what would you say are the greatest lessons that you've learned from? Uh, I'd say um, just, you know, if you have a goal, just go for it. Who fucking cares? You know, if your goal is to be that Instagram person, take a thousand shots a day. Somebody like me that doesn't understand it, sitting on the sideline making stupid comments, that's their problem, not yours. You know, you just got to go for it. So... And just, I mean, if you don't have things given to you, you just got to work. Nobody's entitled. Nobody's entitled. Even people that are coming from parents that are billionaires, they're not entitled either. They may have the money, but they're not entitled to it. Nobody's entitled to anything. You got to earn it in this life. That's what I was taught as a kid. You just got to work hard and earn it. Show everybody that works for you that you're not afraid to do this job too. And that gives them the ability to give you respect. Well, so. damn, the, the, there's some wonderful lessons in this podcast, man. <laughs> Would you say that your life has changed a lot from, from oh, yeah. like, how is it different now? Uh, well, I can go out to eat every single night if I want and pay for it. <laughs> so I don't have to eat pasta. Uh, which ironically enough, I rarely eat pasta anymore. And I never really thought about it until like now. Like well, there's, there's definitely reasons why I don't, you <laughs> I don't had, eat you pasta. Had, you had enough for I've had enough forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Yeah, geez. Um, but that's the, that's a funny thing, you know, talking about like your food and everything. Like, you know, growing up, like we, we hunted for all of our food. Like I remember... <laughs> God, I, I remember when I was like a teenager, I was over at somebody's house and we had hamburgers. We never had hamburgers. We had venison burgers or something like that or something that, that like antelope, something we killed hunting. And I, I had a beef like from a cow. I was like, holy shit, this is so much better. It doesn't taste gamey. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is like a game changer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because you would just grew up on these gamey meats. These gamey meats. Yeah, and I was even telling some of my employees, um, I never knew hair conditioner existed until I was, again, I was at a friend's house. I was a teenager. And I remember coming out and I was like, something's wrong with your shampoo. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I kept using your shampoo. I put like three handfuls of it. It never lathered up. And they just started dying because they knew right off the bat. They're like, that's hair conditioner. <laughs> like what the hell is hair That's what I said. I was like, what is hair conditioner? <laughs> they just died laughing, man. I was like, oh my God. So yeah. So you're not eating gamey meats anymore. <laughs> you know what you I do actually say. still like gamey okay. meats. Oh, I cool. do do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anything of the of the earth, like, you know, that's not like mass produced, I try to go for. So but that's harder and harder to do all day all the time now. So yeah. yeah. Is there anything you miss about the, you know, the kind of the lifestyle or the life that you had kind of before? Uh you know, I, I the only thing I could say is I, I kind of miss my 
uh, simplicity of life. Like, you know, I moved here to Colorado for the beauty that it is and the experience of it is that it is. Um, so like just going out and hiking, like I said, that first summer, you know, I mean, so many memories of just hiking the trail, stopping and taking in the scenery and like iPhones, unfortunately didn't exist at that time, but just the, the quiet solitude, the beauty, oh my God, it's just like nothing I've ever experienced. And I don't have time for that anymore, you know, because of the, the business, because of the responsibility. Now, that's what I miss. Would I give that up for what I have now? I wouldn't because that was then. I've experienced it. I've had it. This is now. I have two kids. I have uh, a plethora of employees that rely on me to keep the jobs rolling in. This is where I am now. I'm happy. And this is my responsibility. What the next stage is, I don't know. But to give this up, to go back to that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, not in a million years. Do you think life has a deeper meaning? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like a lot of people, again, and I think I'm a little bit jaded because of like my religious upbringing. Um, I don't believe in anything after this life. I think that's it. I don't think that there is nothing else. Um, I think you get one shot and that's it. It's just a matter of like, I always try to be like, okay, if I were to pass away, would people remember me for being a dick? Or would they remember me for being a, a nice, helping them out? Um, that's what I want. I want people to remember like me for being somebody who was willing to help them out and give them a chance um, via work or just like I said, opening a door, helping somebody out. That's to me is success. That to me, everything else falls in place. I think if you're just a good person, you know, it just, literally comes to your feet. <laughs> In this case, it literally did, you know? And it's, that's just what I think happens if you're like a good, decent person. So, yeah. Well, Dave, this has been an incredibly inspiring podcast. Thanks. And uh, I'm really excited for people to hear about your journey, your experiences, and yeah. the lessons that you learned along the way. And yeah. Yeah, before we end, like, was there anything else that you wanted to add to the story or maybe a little, another nugget of wisdom that you wanted to leave us with? Oh, man. Um, you know, all I can say is, like I've already said before, is just, I, I really do believe if you have a desire to start any kind of a business, you can do it with no money. It, it comes from within, you know, and it comes from having that drive to want to do it. I had an idea years ago for like an online business and I was going to do um, this whole deal where it was like you could do online booking, kind of like hotels.com, but it was going to be for like activities. It was all activity based. And it was actually going to be like setting up um, say you want to go to Moab, Utah, you can put in Moab, Utah and find like mountain bikes to rent, you know, white water rafting, whatever, all outdoor activities. And I spent quite a bit of money trying to start that business up. And that, that was another failure, huge failure. 
And I learned on that one, back to the core, back to what it is. It's like, you gotta not fork over a shit ton of money, you know? Cause I almost had like that mentality when I was trying to start that business. Like I was just saying with these people that have a lot of money, I had a lot of free flowing money at the time. And I thought, oh, if I just throw enough money at it, it'll, it'll work. But I forgot the core value of like what got me to where I was. And so it fell flat on its face, that business did. And ever since then, uh, I just remember that. Like, it's not what you put into it dollar-wise. It's what you put into it with your soul, like with your heart, like who you are. If you don't have that, you might as well just give up because it's just not going to work. I don't, I don't see how it can work if you don't love what you do. So, Dave, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Inspiring.